0: Spending time with her husband, friends, family, including her 12 grandchildren. In her spare time, she connects and celebrates with the women involved in motorsports, taking you behind the wall about their journey of life, racing, and how they juggle everything to make it all work. Welcome to Racing Girls Rock Podcast. Strap in, window nets up, the pedals are down, and when the green flag drops, we go. this is melinda russell with racing girls rock podcast and i am very honored today to have a fellow podcaster with me i listen to this gal every week she's um been involved in nascar motorsports for quite some time but we're going to kind of hear her story and hear how did she get interested in motorsports and how did she end up becoming a writer so, my guest today is Kelly Crandall. Kelly's been on the NASCAR beat full time since 2013, and she joined Racer as the chief NASCAR writer in 2017. Her work has also appeared in NASCAR.com, the NASCAR Illustrated Magazine, and NBC Sports. A corporate communications graduate from Central Penn College, Kelly is a two time George Cunningham Writer of the Year recipient from the National Motorsports Press Association. That's pretty impressive. She also is the uh, publisher, author, however you want to put it, of the Racing Writers Podcast, which you can find on any major platform. She's everywhere that, that you can find podcasts. And that podcast, she interviews all kinds of people involved in the, in the motorsports industry, drivers, crew chiefs personalities from the garage so if you haven't listened to her podcast you need to find it and you need to start listening because it's one of the really good ones so Kelly welcome to the show
1: my goodness what an introduction thank you very much that also sounds way better than when I do my intros on my podcast so I might have to Hire you and bring you on to do all of my intros. For oh. my episodes. That was
0: fantastic. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. So so Kelly, I've listened to you for a while, like I said, and um, been wanting to have you on for a while, and we just have to get our, our schedules coordinated. So let's start first with why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, whatever you're comfortable with, where you live, your family, your pets. Um, that kind of thing, and like maybe where you grew up. And then from there, I'd like you to start with, how did you get interested and involved in motorsports? Oh, my
1: goodness. Well, I am originally from New Jersey, born and raised in uh, Central New Jersey, which is a thing, by the way. I know that apparently on the internet these days, there's a debate whether there's a such thing as Central New Jersey. So let me just say there is Central New Jersey, Uh, Born and raised there and I moved to North Carolina in the summer of 2014 so I've been down here now quite a while just outside of Charlotte and yeah I'm I'm either working or I'm reading so I love to read I love sports so I'm very happy that football is back college football is back Mm -hmm. um baseball, but nothing really to talk there because Yankees haven't been doing so well. But (laughs) yeah, I just uh, all around sports and a little bit of reality TV. But like I said, a lot of racing and and reading books when I can. Uh, I live with my boyfriend. We've got two dogs who are not here currently. So thankfully, they won't be barking in the background during this. They are with my parents. But one of them is named Daytona after the racetrack, of course, just, I have a very unique and maybe not unique, but a special connection to that racetrack. So when I got my first dog, she's mine. I've had her since she was just a little pup. That was just the natural name to go with. So, but like I said, they're not here, but uh, love them to death. They keep me on my toes. And uh, yeah, I mean, very, very, like I said, very simple sports, books and racing. That's basically everything that I have going on. So <laughs> I don't go out much. I, uh, if I'm not working and if I'm not at the racetrack, I'm sitting around uh, being lazy. So, um, And then how I got into racing, my goodness, it's, you know, the simple answer is everybody watches the Daytona 500, the biggest race of the season. Even if you're a casual fan, I think the Daytona 500 probably draws you in you, you know about it, you've heard about it. It's the biggest race of the year. Uh, so when I was younger, I think I would have been 11. My dad was watching the 2001 Daytona 500. He was a casual fan at that point. It wasn't something that he watched every week. He had been a race fan when he was younger, Uh, Rusty Wallace in the Miller Lite car or the Genuine Draft car and Richard Petty and he knew Dale Earnhardt and Jeff Gordon but by the time he got married and kids came along like I said I was already 11 he was just more of a casual race fan but he watched the Daytona 500 for the exact reasons that I just said so he was watching that day I was not watching I wasn't paying attention but naturally after Dale Earnhardt Sr. died that was all anybody talked about so my dad and one of our close family friends who was also a race fan, that is all they talked about for months. And they kept talking about, we we need to make sure we watch the July race at Daytona. When they go back to Daytona, it'll be the first race there since Dale Sr. had died. And they even talked about maybe we should try to get tickets and go down there. So I just kept hearing about this race and I just kept hearing about NASCAR. So They didn't end up going to the race, of course, but uh, I had heard about it so much that when that race came around, I sat down and watched it, and I tell people that as far as I can remember, I did not move from in front of the TV all night, and that was absolutely legitimately all it took was that race. I was completely hooked from the speed and the sound and the sparks under the lights and just obviously the storyline of that race and the rest is history. Uh, Hand hand across my heart that the rest is history. That was all it took.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, isn't that kind of the truth about how many of us became fans of NASCAR? It, it maybe took watching that one race with your dad on TV. Maybe it was your first actual visit to a racetrack with a family member or, Maybe, you know, whatever it was, sometimes it's just that one experience and, and it just reaches in and grabs you almost, doesn't it? To where you're hooked and you have to watch the next race and then the next race and then we're hooked for life. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And that's why I tell people all the time that watching on TV is great but you need to come experience it in person. You need Mm -hmm. to appreciate the speed and the sound and the smells. The very cliche, you have to let it hit your senses yeah. And you can't do that through television. And yeah. unfortunately with television, you're only watching what they show you. So if you come to the racetrack, you can experience it yourself. You can see the entire race. You can, see, So I, I tell people the same thing. You, It's great to watch on TV. And I'd love to say, go to YouTube and look at this clip and look at that clip. But until you come to a racetrack and get that first person experience, I think you'll understand it and appreciate it a little bit better.
0: Oh, absolutely. And and it's just like watching football on TV or going to the game, you know, you have to smell the hot dogs and the and as far as NASCAR, you have to hear the roar of the engines, you have to smell the fuel in the air. And and it's just the the whole atmosphere and the crowd and everything, you can't explain it to anybody. They absolutely have to come. and and experience it for themselves and I know that once they do we have more fans I took my granddaughter and her boyfriend to Texas to the race they live in Texas and um, neither one had been to a NASCAR race and my granddaughter's father had raced so she had been around it a little bit but her boyfriend had never really been interested in racing at all and we were sitting there, it was a hundred degrees that day, it was miserable. But the questions, oh, he had all kinds of questions. Well, why are they doing that? Why is he pitting and nobody else and all these different questions? And he said, I had no, I had no idea what it was like. And, and so now I've got two more fans and that's really all it takes. And I love exposing people to a live race, even if it's a short track, You know, even if it's Kalamazoo Speedway, just getting them there one time and they're hooked for sure.
1: Now, again, absolutely. I mean, there, nothing beats being able to feel it and see it and smell it. And then just if you get to interact with drivers or you get to interact with other fans and just that whatever access you have, it just, you're not going to get that same experience on television.
0: No, no, absolutely not. You know, it's interesting. I also am a big fan of the Dale Jr. Download. And he was talking last night on his podcast about how his, his, um, view of racing has changed since he's been in the broadcast booth. And even, you know, he raced uh, the Xfinity race a couple of weeks ago and he tangled with a couple different guys and he interviewed them on his show. And, and he said, you know, it, it made, it's made me a better announcer Because I was back at like 15th or whatever, and we don't see those cars on TV very often. (laughs) And so, you know, you see the first, you see the leaders, and you see when the wreck happens. But when you're at the racetrack, maybe you've picked out car number 27, and he's really not anybody that anybody's heard of, but you like the look of the car. And so you're gonna follow him around that track as he goes around. And it just makes it more interesting that you can see everything that's going on, not rely on just what the TV is going to show us.
1: Yeah, that's always been my biggest, I wouldn't say complaint, but my, my biggest argument is that if you go to the racetrack, you can, you see a lot more. You're not handcuffed
0: by Mm -hmm. what television wants to present to you, right? And you know, the thing about that too, and I always feel bad for those drivers who have worked hard to get those sponsors because we know how difficult that is. I don't care if you're the number one driver like Kyle Larson or you're the number 40 driver, it's it's just as hard. And really it's it's more difficult if you're not winning races and you're not in the on TV very much. So Getting those sponsors is difficult and they deserve some TV time. They deserve some mention and some show. and so I feel the same way. I feel like they need to show a little more of the whole experience and not just just the uh, lead cars or the the you know the first ten cars or whatever it might be. but you know, we're probably not going to change that, Kelly. I think I think that's way above our pay grade. so anyway, we'll have to just. Just go to the track like we do and enjoy it and, and encourage other people to do the same.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Again, that's all you can do is just go to the track and then you can see what you want to see and focus on what you want to
0: watch. Right. So you are a reader and a writer, very much right up my wheelhouse as well. I love to read. I love to write. And um, so tell me, like, what, what would be some of your favorite interviews that you've done, either through the mag, you know, through racer.com or some of your other stories, or maybe even on your podcast? Have you got a few that maybe you would say were really your favorites or an unexpected surprise, good interview that you weren't expecting?
1: Yeah. You know, I get asked this every so often and I keep telling myself I need to sit down and come up with a list, so I have an answer, and I have yet to do that, because it, it, they all run together after a while, but I will say, with the, with the podcast, what surprises me, I think, with the podcast, is how open people have been, and maybe, maybe they're not, but to me, it feels like they're, they're pretty open and they're pretty engaging. So that always surprises me that they feel comfortable enough to do that. You know, if we can laugh about whatever, I take great pride in that because it shows that they're comfortable, they're having fun. Mm -hmm. Um, Chris Gale is an upcoming guest on the podcast. I've already recorded it. And we had so much fun. And I was just not expecting that, because I have interacted and done things with Chris before. um, And he's a great guy. But I don't know if I was just thinking, okay, he's going to be crew chief mode, and we're just going to have a straightforward conversation. But we laughed the entire time. Uh, (laughs) Just He was telling great stories about how he got to NASCAR and things he's experienced. And we got off on such a good foot because we were laughing before we were even recording, because we were bonding over the fact that we both cover up the cameras on our laptops (laughs) because we're we're paranoid like that for some reason. So uh, between that and how honest he was about when he was moved from the cup series to the Xfinity series at Joe Gibbs Racing, which frankly was not his plan, that was not up to him the fact that he was so open about, I took that as, okay, I'm going to go whip everybody's asses in my car and my drivers. I'm going to go try to win every race and prove to people that, okay, you put me here. Well, now I'm going to make everybody else, everybody else's life miserable. Yeah. Um, so interviews like that stand out on the podcast. You know, Jimmy Johnson was a really good one because I appreciate the fact that, one of the questions stumped him and he said he'd never been asked that before and Jimmy Johnson's been racing for how many years right, right. 15 20 some odd years so I took a lot of pride in that uh, written stories I mean there's been so many I one of the ones recently and it's from actually NHRA was just to be able to sit down with Alexis DeJoria of, of the Toyota camp and how open she was about the end of her marriage and how she had to step away from racing to try to save her marriage and and what her family was going through the fact that she again opened up and put mm-hmm. her trust in me to tell that story meant a lot i sat down years ago with joey logano and we recapped at that point he was getting ready to make his 300th start in the cup series which was a milestone it was a big number so I wanted to do a story on just start one to start 300 and, you know, him going through these moments in his career of hearing he's going to lose his job at Joe Gears Racing and everybody mm-hmm. saying he should lose his job. And, oh right. my gosh, what am I going to do next? So going through stuff like that has been great doing, I mentioned Jimmy, but doing a one-on-one with Jimmy in his motor home and being able to really dig into his psyche of what it was like those last couple of years when that team was just terrible. Mm -hmm. To be be a seven time champion and win 80 something races and be a consistent top five driver to all of a sudden you're struggling to make the playoffs. Right. To to sit down with him for 20, 25 minutes and get an idea of, of how dark it was you know, in his mind when that was happening. So, yeah. so there's there's definitely ones that, that stand out. So I
0: I do need to sit down though and start putting a list together because I'm sure yeah. I'm missing a bunch. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, it, and I, I know what you mean about things start to run together. You know, I've not written near as many stories as you have because I haven't, I've only done my magazine since 2017 but I've written 350 some stories. And I had to finally put all their names and stuff in Excel because it was like, now did I do a story on her or not? I can't remember. And it was like, oh, I, I feel bad that I can't remember. But they do yeah. kind of start to run together in the podcast the same way, you know, but um, don't you find that when people are open with you and share things that you weren't expecting It makes not only a great story or a great podcast, but it makes the person more relatable because as we were talking right before we got on, we all have stuff, don't we? We all have things we go through and, and drivers are no different. They're people just like us Mm -hmm. and crew chiefs and all those people. And so, you know, it makes them more relatable and it makes them seem more human in some ways, because don't we put them on a pedestal? at times? Yeah, I think for me,
1: certainly with the podcast, it makes it easier to tell those stories because yeah. with the podcast, I don't want to talk about what happened Saturday night at Daytona. I don't want to talk about what happened Sunday afternoon at Las Vegas. It's it's not about what happened on the racetrack. The podcast for me is a way to talk about how you got here, what your story yeah. is, that people may not know, or to talk about, again, get inside your head, what's going on? What does this feel like? And tell those stories, again, mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with right here and right now. Yeah, I try, I try to do that too with feature stories. And I, it's funny because I was just having a conversation with one of my editors this week about that of, I feel like I've gotten away from that recently. It was almost like the pandemic hit and all the access went away. And mm-hmm. so you're not really spending time with people. You're not really observing. You're not, I'm not doing those feature type stories that I normally like to do, but I love to tell those stories. Yeah. Again, my job, yes, is to report news. And my job is to go to the racetrack and tell you what happened in the race. But I enjoy, again, telling stories mm-hmm. and getting to spend time with someone of how did this feel or. Again, what do you have going on in your life? You know, let you know if they're at the simulate. Just, just telling again, telling stories that don't have to do with running five hundred right. miles at yeah. Las Vegas. So, yeah. so yeah, and it does. It makes them more relatable because again, you're not just talking about what happened on the racetrack. Everybody saw what happened on the racetrack. Right. So right. You know, yeah, I mean, it it does it it. It's fun to tell those stories and get, and for me to get to know the drivers, the crew chiefs, whoever it may be. But I also think it does, it helps readers and it helps fans just better understand these are normal everyday people that have jobs to
0: do. And sometimes that job is really hard. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it isn't even the fact that 500 laps on a hot day is really hard on your body and all kinds of things, but there's a lot of things they go through that, The normal, you know, you and I don't go through. I don't. I can walk down, you know, the pit lane area, and I'm not being surrounded and wanted autographs, right? But they can't really go anywhere without somebody wanting something from them. And and I know they get a lot of crap sometimes about the way they act, but put yourself in those shoes. It would it would get old. It would really get old. But guess what? That's part of their job they know that and so they typically you know are very gracious about autographs and pictures and whatever but you can understand why sometimes they're not because Mm -hmm. it would get old it'd be like i just want to go get a drink (laughs) (laughs) i didn't want to sign 10 autographs (laughs) yeah i think you take it by a i think you take
1: it on a case-by-case basis but there is i mean there's a time and a place for everything i mean i I don't know if I would want to disturb someone as they're about to climb in the race car, you know, and drivers say the same thing. There's a, there's a good time to really try to get that interaction with them. But yeah, I mean, it's a, that's a separate conversation. There's just, that's a case by case basis.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. So Kelly, what's your favorite thing about your job, about what you do? Hmm. That's a good question. I think it's just being able to
1: tell stories. I mean, obviously I love racing. I love watching what happens and the fact that I can walk, you know, into a garage area and reach out and touch a race car. I mean, that's so cool. The fact that I can obviously interact with a Denny Hamlin and a Kyle Bush and a Joey Logano. But to me it's it's the stories. It's mm-hmm. it's trying to come up with story ideas. You know, I've been doing that here recently, as I just said, trying to come up with and get back to telling feature stories of, okay, you know, what's going on? What, you know, who haven't I done something with? Yeah. Who has something going on? Um, I think that's what it is for me is because every, every day is different, right? I don't, I don't wake up and be like, okay, well, today I'm going to do this, this, and this. No, today I'm gonna wake up and, okay, what do I need to do for the podcast? Is there a podcast that needs editing? Is there a conversation that I can schedule with someone? Then it's thinking of all those questions. Um, Is there a media availability today? You know, literally every day is different. right? And every week is different and every race brings a new Mm storyline. So I think, yeah, I think for me, it's just what stories
0: need to be told. Yeah. And and that's the beauty of what we do because I do a lot of things very similar to what you do is that you never know when you get up what the news is going to tell us or what's <laughs> happened overnight or you know um, after like the weekend you know there was all the controversy at the race and there's just so many storylines that you can find if you're looking and it's not the same as going to a job every day that that is pretty repetitive. Our, mm-hmm. our jobs every day are different. And today I get to talk to you. And in a couple of days, I'm going to talk to another young woman and it's, and it's a pleasure and a joy to meet all of you because then I feel like, Hey, Kelly's my friend. I've met her. I've talked to her. I know who she is. I know about her. I know she has a dog named Daytona and, and these kind of things. And then when we do meet for the first time at a race, one of these days, then it'll be like we've already met in some ways and we've already become friends. And that's the part I love about what I do is yes, telling the stories. That's why I started the magazine. That's why I do the podcast. And, and then making friends. You know, I, I usually say if, if the podcast goes away, the magazine goes away, I'm still gonna know Kelly Crandall and I'm still gonna have her as my friend and nobody can take that away from me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a wonderful community. You listen, I I've gotten to know many people through social media, even before I became a writer, you know, I was using social media to network, but just meet other fans. And now there's people that even as I'm a writer that I still know because we were fans together and, you know, they'll reach out to me and they'll, they'll say how cool it is to follow now what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, or you know, get to work alongside people that I followed for the longest time. Mm -hmm. And it's it's the same thing with fans is go to races because I would do the same thing with my dad, you know, my dad and I would go to races and just meet other fans and just bond over racing and what you saw that day. And you want to talk about what's going on on the racetrack. So it's a great community. And like anything, I mean, it is what you make it. So it sounds cliche, but if you want to come here and make fans or make friends, you can certainly do
0: that. Absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. So Kelly, is there anybody on your list that you would like to interview or write a story about that you haven't done yet, or you haven't had the opportunity? Is there somebody that's just, that's your burning story
1: no not really I mean I keep a list of guests I would like to get for the podcast um and it's just a matter of asking I mean they're either gonna right. say yes or no I don't whether it's the podcast or whether it's a story I don't really have like you know I don't really have that that white whale out there yeah but I do keep I do keep lists I'm a big list person in general I have to write everything I have to write everything down. I, too. I don't know you why, but the older I have gotten, the easier <laughs> it is for me to forget things. And if I don't see it in front of me, then I either A, won't remember to do it um, or uh, I won't feel, uh, I, I just won't have the, the energy to do it. So I have to write everything down so it stares me in the face. So I keep lists of podcast guests and who I would like to have. Uh, when you know if I'm getting someone scheduled if I've already if I need to send a request uh, and then with with stories I keep a note a notebook of just story idea and how I would do it and you know so that way I I can either sit on it for a little while and think about it or you know kind of flesh it out a little bit and then approach whoever it is and say, okay, here's my idea, here's what I'm thinking. So I have ideas for stories and and podcasts. I don't, like I said, I don't um I've learned not to tell people about them because, you know, you wanna, you want to keep it close to the best. So you don't give away your your best ideas and things of that. But I do, yes, I do keep lists and um, but to your original question, I don't, no, I don't really have like that big, you know, that big must have or, or
0: okay. goal. Or, or, uh, yeah, I guess so not. I'm a, I'm a list maker as well. I always have been. And yes, I have a smartphone and I do put appointments and keep track of things in there. But I also have my, it's called Happy Planner. It's a paper planner. I can't mm-hmm. get away from it. I was a scrapbooker. I love paper. I love colored pens and all that kind of goofy stuff. And, yep. and I'll just tell you, Kelly, you're half my age or less you know, or more than half my age. And um, it's even more important as you get older to have those mm-hmm. lists. So don't stop. Yeah, That's I have it.
1: I've been telling people that I should probably have stock in post-it notes because yeah. like I said, in post-it notes. And I love journals because again, I can just, you know, keep story ideas in journals. Yeah. I do journal also, but that's not what we're talking about, but I love, yeah, I love notebooks journals. Yeah. Um, I have legal, I use legal pads for the podcast and yeah, just it. Yeah. I've yeah.
0: just notes everywhere. <laughs> you're a, you're a paper person, just like I am. We, we have yeah. a lot in common other than you're, like I said, you're way younger than I am, but um, you're, you're still have that inside you, the writing piece, the reading piece, that's, that's your passion. And it comes out in your stories and in your interviews because you can hear it. I can hear it when I hear you interview somebody, I know that you're enjoying what you're doing. And so that makes the podcast and the story all that much better. It's not just a job to you. It's your passion.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, with the podcast, you can't fake it because people no. are hearing it. It's audio. So I, right. for me, it's really cool that, um, whether it's you or, or anyone, that sends me messages and says either how good the conversation was or how much you could tell I enjoyed it or the guest enjoyed it. Because again, it, you're hearing it right from someone. And that's why I'm a fan of podcasts myself. I, I, I became a fan of podcasts. I mean, it was, I didn't become a big fan of podcasts until about 2016. Like I knew they existed, but I had never really like, dug into any podcast myself, I got into podcast in 2016, because I was working for NBC. And a lot of what I was doing um, was sitting on my computer all day and overseeing the website. And, you know, it's not like I was just laying around, like I had to be logged in. So when I was logged in for eight hours a day, I was like, okay, what can I do while I sit here? So I got into podcast. And that's why I love podcasts is because mm-hmm. you can hear from the person. Right. It's their it's their words directly from them. It's hopefully not edited, you know, uh, it's exactly as they say it. You can hear their emotion. you can mm-hmm. hear the context. So I keep that in mind when I do my podcast that somebody's gonna they're gonna be able to tell whether you're enjoying it or whether you think somebody's yeah. lying or yeah, or trying yeah. To face it. so. Uh, I appreciate you saying that because I, I do think that's that's one of the great things about the podcast is whether it's me or whether it's the guest, I think we've been all pretty genuine in, in yeah conversations.
0: I think absolutely. So um, maybe my, one, my final question, and then I'll let you have a chance if there's anything else you want to share, is when Kelly's all done and done with her career and moves on to whatever it is you're going to do when you're my age or whatever what do you want to be best remembered for oh my gosh I don't I haven't thought about that yet Melinda that's that's well you're young that's why yeah, that's way off right <laughs> it is way off but you know you're you're time... heading that way you're, you're yeah the only that way
1: The only times I have thought about that is in my moments of self pity when I have felt like I am at the end of my, uh, like like I'm not gonna be able to do this anymore because the money's gonna run out or or what or you know I'm gonna have to give it up. That's the only time I've ever thought about that. But it's again, it's mostly been when I'm having a nervous breakdown and crying on the floor. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I mean, I think like anyone you. A, first of all, hopefully people thought you're a nice person, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously, and I know I, you know, we all struggle with that sometimes, but if I could, if people would just say, you know, at heart, she was a good person, that would mean a lot. When it comes to the profession, just that I was fair, that I was respectful to everyone that I came across, hopefully, and that I wrote well, and that I wrote interesting stories so Mm -hmm. that's um that would be all I could ask for is that again people thought I was just a good person that I was you know nice at heart and had everybody's best interest and was just respectful and
0: fair and wrote a decent story along the along the way (laughs) yeah well those are those are pretty good things to strive for and and be and you know I I think you're well on your way to all of those so I don't think you have anything to worry about and you know, um, I love listening to your podcast every week. It's different and it's interesting, and it's always timely. That's the thing that I enjoy about it. it there are timely interviews about you know what's happening now, and and so I, I love that part. Is there anything that I haven't talked to you about that you'd like to share, or um, and then not that I can think of. I mean, going back to what we were just talking about of
1: you know, you want people to just respect you or think that you're a good person. I will say that I think sometimes, and this is just a random side comment, is just, I think, I, I hope I don't come off, um, I think with social media, I worry about coming off harsh or coming off rude on social media, because I don't, because, right, like, people don't know how to take, you're reading it, in print, you know, you don't know how yeah. to take it. So that's just a weird, random side comment, but you had me thinking about how you want people to remember you. And I always worry, cause I'm like, well,
0: I live in the era of social media. So yeah. I hope I'm not being judged by social media. <laughs> well, we, we all live in that. And it's it's always true that how I write the words may not be how you interpret what I've said. Yeah, And that's yeah. true of every one of us that uses social media.
1: And humor does not come through on social media. There are times where I'm trying to be funny. And now granted, I'm not a very funny person anyway, but there's times where I think I'm like, okay, I nailed that one. And it just, it doesn't come through on social media. So that's just my random side comment for the day is I hope I'm not being judged by what people see (laughs) on social media.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think so. I don't think so at all. So Kelly, tell us, For the people who haven't followed you or who would like to know more about, how can they read what you've, you know, your written stories? How can they listen to you? Where would they find you? Yeah. Well, obviously
1: racer.com is the number one place. So NASCAR is my primary job, but I will say racer has been fantastic in letting me dabble and do some more NHRA stuff. So every so often you might see an NHRA piece for me, but a lot of NASCAR. I am the only NASCAR writer over there. I mean, obviously we have some contributed things from uh, Eric Eric Johnson, I believe is from Monster. So he's always got some interesting Kurt Busch or Ricky Stenhouse stuff, but it's me over there. So racer.com uh, for, for NASCAR and, and maybe some NHRA stuff the podcast, the racing writers podcast, as you said, I I believe is now it should be every major platform. I I haven't checked recently, but I do know it's on Apple, Google, Spotify. Mm -hmm. I've heard it's on iHeartRadio. I haven't seen it for myself, but it should be on all major platforms. And of course I put it on social media and social media is very easy to find me. I got very lucky. My my full name is everywhere. So I got lucky with that on my Twitter handle. It's just at Kelly Crandall. Same thing on Instagram. The only note that I tell people is that you can find me on Facebook, but uh, make sure you're looking, there's a public figure page, I guess you would say, yeah. or um, so that's where I have I've set that up. So it's just racer links. It's podcast links. Um if you try to find me on my personal page i think as you found out Melinda, because i didn't see the message for the longest time yeah. i don't go over there on the on my personal right one. so <laughs> so make sure if you want to keep up with my work you're following the public page where all the links are yeah. but
0: yeah i think that's that pretty much covers it well they should be able to find you anywhere that they look on social media because it, it's you're pretty you're pretty easy to find and after i sent you the, the message on your private page and i realized you had a public page so anyway that's that's how it works but kelly i have so enjoyed talking with you today you're you're a lovely spirit you you love nascar you love racing it comes through and you're in the smile on your face which i know they can't see through the audio but i can i can see it your stories are amazing your interviews are as well and i have really loved following you and now today getting to know you a little bit better so um, hopefully I'll see you at the racetrack. I'm hoping that we get our hard cards back next year so that we can get back to where we need to be to do the stories that we need to tell. And so that's, that's my hope. Otherwise, I'll be in Phoenix in the grandstand watching for the weekend because I'll be back in Arizona by then. So yeah. Well,
1: if I make it out to Phoenix, that one's still up in the air for me. But if I make it out there, I will certainly let you know. Okay. Would love to see you at the racetrack. And thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening, for reading. I mean, honestly, I, I see your name pop up. So I appreciate the consistent support. So, and, and I'm, I appreciate
0: you wanting to talk to me. So I, I'm glad you enjoyed it as well. <laughs> I did very much. So you have a good rest of your week, and I'll see you at the racetrack. Sounds good. Thank you. Uh-huh. We couldn't produce this podcast without our many sponsors. So at this time, let's take a listen to one of our amazing partners. Have you ever received a card from me? Well, this is why I send cards. Cards are like a vehicle that carry a piece of you into the heart of another person. Upon its arrival, it releases a shot of dopamine into the brain which puts a smile on the receiver's heart. It's a tool that allows me to stand out in the crowd and be remembered and be liked for being a nice person. I do not send the card with the expectation of anything in return. However, it's a natural human reaction for certain people to say thank you. They don't always say thank you and that's okay. But I do get thank yous for cards sent years ago when I see the people in person. They tell me they've been waiting to thank me for years and that they still have their card hanging up and they smile every time they see it. This is why I send cards and using send out cards is the best tool on the planet. To learn more, contact Melinda at iwmanation at gmail.com and send your first card for free. Thank you for listening to Racing Girls Rock Podcast. Follow us on Facebook at International Women's Motorsports Association or on Instagram and Twitter at the IWMA Nation. And if you know someone that should be on our show, drop us an email at IWMA Nation at gmail.com.